You're listening to a DM podcast. I hate mainstream media, which is funny because I work in it, but I just think it's stupid. Like, I get all my news and stuff off podcasts. I mean, of course, like, I'll, I'll read mainstream. If it's like a... I don't know, if the New York Times did, like, some in-depth, like, foreign policy thing or whatever, of course I'm going to read that and they've had, like, boots on the ground and stuff, but I just mean in, like, general day-to-day, I am getting all my pop culture and news and stuff off, like, new media, like, YouTube, podcasts, everything. I don't care what, you know, Jimmy Fallon's saying or anyone on TV, like, The Project. Like, I would rather die than watch The Project. G'day and welcome to Behind the Podcast with Jules and Stocks. I'm Jules and today Stocks and I went behind the podcast with Jacques Peterson, creator and host of the extremely popular, unpopular with the Jacques Peterson podcast. Well, I really enjoyed that interview, Stocks. I don't know about you, but I was kind of wondering what it was going to be like when I first started listening to it. Just, you know, what what sort of spin is he going to put on the reality TV show uh, recap podcast? Um, I was really interested to hear, you know, that he was primarily focused on US-based shows and that's kind of where his audience lies. But yeah, the, the show, I mean, it's just, it's it's authentically him, you would say. He really puts a lot of his own personality into it and sort of takes the time to kind of break down both sides of the argument, which I think is sometimes missing in a lot of, you know, news and pop culture. Yeah, he definitely puts a lot of himself out there. Um, it's Look, it's fascinating. It's what podcasting is. His interest lies in US reality TV, not Australian reality TV. That's the kind of content he makes, and that's where his audience is. So, look, Aussies, don't be limited by uh, what you think are the actual restrictions of not being able to travel overseas. Irrelevant. Create content for what you're interested in, and they'll find a market for it if you do it right. Definitely hustles hard, too. Yeah, hearing about his starts as a, as a blogger way back when, I think has certainly taught him some good practices and, and you know, he's really applied that to the, to the podcasting world. Yeah, yeah, one of the early K-pop bloggers, who knew? <laughs> you might also notice that I'm sounding a little bit better. I finally got a microphone for the home studio, so hopefully those days of my shoddy recordings are well and truly behind us. Yeah, we should have led with that. Jules got a mic! <laughs> It's very exciting, indeed. But, yeah, look, enough about me and my microphone. Why don't we get started? Jacques, tell us about the show. Uh, Unpopular with Jacques Peterson is a podcast about pop culture with a focus on American reality TV specifically, and I always take a contrarian approach to everything, a politically incorrect approach. So it can be anything. So sometimes it is politically incorrect opinions, but... It's not a Sky News show, really. Unpopular can also just mean, hey, that person on The Bachelor or The Real Housewives that you hate, I love them. Or the person that you love, I hate them. And this is why. So, I just try to come at everything from a different perspective to other people in the pop culture space because I'm a natural contrarian and I felt like nobody else was doing that. So, <laughs> I jumped in. And how did, you, how did you come about doing this podcast in the first place? Tell us a bit about your history. Okay, this is a really long story in a nutshell. So, I was a blogger back in the day, like 10 plus years ago when people actually still read blogs. By the way, if you're thinking of starting a blog, please don't. They're over. I had someone message me the other day going, I'm thinking about starting a blog. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, start an Instagram page or a podcast or something. No one reads anymore. So, I was a blogger back when blogs were relevant and I had a really big following and at the time I had no idea how to monetize it, how to turn it into a business. People weren't as savvy as the people weren't as savvy back then because when I started my blog like 
Twitter only was like just coming out and stuff. So the social media part of it was very new. So it was really just a passion project. And then eventually I burned out on it. You know, it's hard to make money as a content creator, as everyone that has like a podcast or an Instagram page or something knows it's a lot of work. So I had to get into the real world and work a real job, but I did miss having an audience and I always wanted to go back because I missed having a voice and I'd learned a lot from my years being a blogger. And, you know, I thought about doing a podcast for a really long time, but like a lot of people, I had the same thought that so many people have that's just like, oh, everyone has a podcast now. It's too late. You know, why am I doing one now? And, you know, eventually I bit the bullet. I thought about it for a really long time. I listened to You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts in general and the pop culture ones that I listen to specifically were never in line with my opinions at all. And I just felt like there was a space for someone to come in with a completely different perspective than what was out there. So that kind of inspired it. Love it. Sorry. And that was how Pop Politically Incorrect came about? Yeah. Well, that was the original name. And it's funny because... I'm a big overthinker and I literally was thinking of doing a podcast for years. Like I was actually trying to get cast on different reality shows because I wanted to use it as a platform specifically to do a podcast. So this was like years in the making and I overthought it and I started thinking I have to have a really unique name that nobody else has. And then I come up with Politically Incorrect and it's just way too much of a tongue twister. As soon as I launched the show, I hated it. Like, I hated the name. I thought it was so cringy. It sounded like a kind of like a Fox News spinoff for millennials about pop culture or something. I'm like, this is so lame. And then I toned it down to unpopular because it still had pop in the title because I was a bit worried about changing the name. I'm like, well, it's kind of similar. And it sums up what the show is about you know, a lot better and, you know, it's kind of basic, but most podcast names are basic. So, I just felt like I totally overthought it in my head and then I had to simplify it. It's a, it's a very good name. What was your blog called and were you writing about the same sort of stuff? Okay, let's not say what the blog was called because we don't need 2009 uh, old posts recirculating in this climate. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it was, actually, um, it was actually a music blog originally because music blogs used to be really popular back then. And uh, I started off doing kind of like R&B, hip-hop, urban pop kind of music because that's what I loved when I was like a teenager and in my early 20s and then I got into K-pop and this was before anyone was writing about K-pop and then I completely changed it into a K-pop blog and I was one of the first people doing that and then that got a big following with K-pop stuff so uh, yeah it was all music but it was still all done from a very unfiltered perspective like my opinions very strong opinions a lot of humour very shady Uh, so I kind of like brought that energy into what I'm doing now with the reality reality TV and the pop culture instead of doing it with music. And when did you think about uh, launching it as a, as a pop culture and, and rather than doing a podcast about, you know, K-pop? Uh, you know what? The K-pop fans are just annoying as fuck. They're psychotic. Uh, the audience is too young as well. I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with these people. I literally won't even tweet anything about K-pop on Twitter because the fans are completely insane. Like, they're terrifying. I had... Uh, I tweeted something negative about a group a few years ago and it wasn't even bad. And the fans, I think I'm more of a target because I have a blue tick. And the fans of this group 
got the tweets and then mass emailed them into both of my employers because I was working freelance at different places trying to get me fired. They're be- they're just beyond. And I've kind of outgrown it. Like, I, st- I love still listen to K-pop all the time. Like, I love it. But uh, I don't have as many thoughts on it and you know and i watch a lot of reality tv and i always have opinions on like cultural things going on and uh so i just felt like that was broader and i could get more of my passion in whereas the k-pop thing is more of just like a little side hobby that i like i've heard you mention that the beyonce fans are a terrible fan base uh which is worse k-pop or beyonce (laughs) uh the K-pop fans now, but like the Beyonce, the Beyonce stands were like the original K-pop fans. I mean, they're all pop fans are crazy. It's funny when I was probably one of them back in the day when I had my blog and I was like twenty or something. Now that I'm older and I'm in my thirties, and then I look at those people online, I'm like terrified of them. They're scary. It's amazing how much they can affect change now. I mean, I think, was it all the BTS fans during the US presidential election? Yeah, managed to somehow mess with that. Yeah, that was the BTS fans, and they've actually now, because fandoms, it's actually not just K-pop fans, it's fans in general, uh, certain music publications have had to stop putting bylines on album reviews, because, like, the Taylor Swift fans or the other pop fans will, like, come after the journalist, and they're too scared to put a byline on, so... That's just, yeah, it's too much. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) So, how's the show evolved uh, since you've started doing it? I mean, you even touch on a little bit of US US politics yourself while you're doing the shows at the beginnings and throughout. Yeah, I, uh, I love doing that. You know, it's interesting. You can think about what you want your show to be and think about it all in your head, but then actually doing it is a completely different story. You learn something new every single episode and about where you want to go. Like, I feel like I've become more opinionated in general because at first I think I was still a little bit scared of like, oh, you know, can I say this or should I add, you know, 50 qualifiers to this opinion so people won't, you know, misinterpret it. And now I'm just, I don't care. I just go for it. And... I think it's good because I think that I've, because I've kind of built the show around my personality and my opinions, people know to expect that from me. So it's not like I'm throwing people a curveball where I just came out of like left field with with something crazy. That's when you get yourself in trouble. You know, if you present yourself a certain way as like a moral authority and you're coming after other people and trying to cancel other people, you set these impossibly high standards for yourself. And then as soon as you screw up, you get the backlash. I don't get much backlash at all because I set the ground rules, you know, really early on and on purpose too, because I knew that I would be saying controversial things and I didn't want to put myself in a position where I was a hypocrite or anything. And in terms of evolving the show, I, you know, I've, a plan for it in the long run. I want to keep evolving it. I'm always going to talk about reality TV stuff because, like, I, you know, I love The Bachelor. I love my Real Housewives. I always have plenty of opinions on them. I love just trashy pop culture stuff, but I do want to evolve it into more broader cultural commentary for sure. But it's also about bringing the audience along with me you can't just change something overnight like i've already been through that back on my blog when i was suddenly like i'm a k-pop blog now screw all of you (laughs) i lost a bunch of readers and then it took a really long time to get the new readers back up who were into the new thing so you know i just am trying to bring people on bring people along with me and i sprinkle things in there that i'm interested in you know every now and then and i try to do it in a way where i feel like the audience will enjoy it. Like I had Dr. Drew on, uh, he is a 
He's a really famous doctor in America. He's done a lot. He has a really long medical career. He's an addiction specialist. Uh, he talks about, I mean, he talks about everything. So there were so many ways that I could have gone with that interview. And, you know, I did it in a way where I felt like my audience would enjoy it and I would also enjoy it too. So I talked about things in the media. I talked about some of the stuff that he's done on reality television and things that I thought that my my listeners would like. So I try to show a lot of respect to the audience. Mm. You really put a lot of yourself out there, uh, particularly as the show has gone on. Uh, your opening has gone from being five to sometimes 20 minutes of you actually talking about what's going on in your life. How's that been received? And was that just did that just naturally evolve? Uh, people love that, actually. It's funny. I wasn't sure how much to put into it at first, but people really, really enjoy it. Again, I've tried to build the show around my personality, so when I do talk about other things, people will still want to hear it because they'll think, oh, okay, well, what's Shark going to say about this? Or I don't agree. I mean, I get this feedback a lot. I don't agree with anything you say, but, you know, I love to hear your opinion on it or I love to hear your take on it. So that's really good. And, uh, yeah, I, I just talk about what I feel passionate about that week you know it's funny like my dad died and then i recapped his funeral in a funny way because that was like my way of dealing with it because i just have (laughs) a a reverent sense of humor so i put that out there and people loved it they were like that's my favorite episode and that has nothing to do with reality tv or anything you know so i just try to put my personality through and that's important because i never wanted to get into a position where it's like okay this week i didn't talk about what happened on the real housewives and then everyone's pissed and doesn't want to listen because they're like oh well you didn't talk about that so i want people to come to the show for me and i've been like aware of that since the beginning so that's why i do put myself out there it seems that most of the shows that you talk about are american uh reality tv shows was that kind of a bit of a conscious decision at the start thinking okay there's more space for growth or are they just a lot better at reality TV than we are. They're a lot better at reality TV than we are. Australian reality TV sucks. And <laughs> what's what's funny is that I think that so when I was thinking about the show right, I think that if I had come in doing Australian content, the show would have gotten bigger faster because there's more of a market here. Like not that many people are doing it, especially not in the way that I would have done it. And I felt like it'll be easier for me if I focus on Australian content, but I don't care about Australian content. And I already knew from my time as a blogger, there were definitely times, phases through my blog where I felt like, oh, well, everyone's talking about this, so I should talk about that. And I would do that. And then I would kind of get burned out because you don't have the passion for it. And, you know, it's not me. I'm like, well, I'm trying to force myself to have an opinion on something that I don't care about. And the truth is that I don't care about Australian media. Like, I follow US politics. I, you know, I don't watch the I don't watch Australian news. Like, I listen to all US political podcasts. I watch all American reality shows. The only Australian reality show that I watch is Married at First Sight. That's it. The rest of them, I think, are awful. So, it was more about actually just following what I'm passionate about because I try to be very authentic to myself. I don't want to fit myself in a space just because I think that, you know, I maybe it'll make me more successful because it's not me and I know myself like some people are great at that some people can be like oh that's where the money is I'm gonna do that I mean that's what commercial radio hosts do Mm. right they just they say whatever that's not me you know (laughs) I kind of have to be myself or I'll go crazy how did math slip through the cracks 
Uh, I just think it's really well done. Most of the time, the the season this year I really liked. The one last year was horrible. I was shocking. I was so bad. I, I couldn't even get through that. But I just think that Maths is, is really fun. It's a lot edgier than the other shows that we have on here. Like so many of the reality shows in Australia are all about being like family friendly. Even with Big Brother, like they've remade Big Brother now and it's like it looks like Wipeout, like a children's show. Like they're just they're playing games in the backyard or something. It's so stupid. I like how Maths isn't afraid to go there with you know cheating and, and scandals. It's like a it's a soap opera, you know. And they air that in the US actually. So sometimes I have talked about Maths Australia on the pod because they aired it in the states and they aired it in the UK as well. So I had Jessica yeah. Power on. Uh, I had Innes, Innes. on. Um, you know the villains because I always like the villains. So. <laughs> And I wanted to show people another side of them because I know Jessica actually in real life and she's about to be on the new Celebrity Big Brother, actually. She's literally the nicest person ever. Like, she's so cool. So, you know, I wanted people, I wanted her to come on and people to see, like, oh, she's actually fun and she gets it and she's not that bad. <laughs> it, it is. I, I've, I watch a lot of maths. I've watched them for the last, well, most of the seasons, actually. But I just, it's edited just so well. And I think that they do such a great job on it. It really does stand out. I mean, with the recent season of The Bachelor, I think we sort of watched, we, my wife and I, we watched one episode and then that was pretty much enough of that. So. Oh, it's awful, The Australian Bachelor. And the editing is so obvious on The Australian Bachelor too. Like someone says the most mundane comment and then you have the Christopher Nolan like orchestra behind. And it's just like, no one cares. Whereas maths just is, it's great. I thought that they did such a good job on maths this year because I kind of thought, after last year's season, which was really bad, I'm like, oh, I think Maths has jumped the shark. And then the whole dynamic with Bryce and Melissa was so interesting and something that we haven't seen on the show before. So it's amazing how they're able to pull something new out every season. Yeah, they're able to evolve and lean, lean into the keys in the bowl mentality of the previous <laughs> season and make it a feature. Yep. <laughs> it's interesting. Okay, so you are focused on US content, which means that you have to interview primarily US guests. Can you walk us through how you approach people and how you book? Uh, well, the time difference is a nightmare, first of all, especially working a full-time job and then having to deal with the time difference. So, just scheduling people. It's my weekends, like my two days that I get off work are just solely spent on the podcast. It's crazy. But I uh, so I work in media already. Um I've worked at like you know, certain news outlets and um, like music blogs and like different places, and uh, I already had some contacts in the US. So the first guest that I ever had was uh, Tamara Judge. She's from the Real Housewives of Orange County. She was my launch episode, and she was one of the biggest names and most controversial stars of that show for like over a decade. And then she got fired, and the new season was premiering. It was the first season without her on it, and I had her on my podcast on launch week because, and we talked about everything, and it was really great, and it got a lot of traction because I had already interviewed her for one of the media outlets where I work like a year prior and we had sort of become friendly. And once I had her on, it kind of opened the door to get more guests. So then I went for this other housewife, Heather Dubrow, who was another big housewife from the OC. And I'm like, oh, well, I interviewed Tamara. And then she's like, sure. So then I had her. And then the more people you get, you kind of have like- Social proof. Yeah. You have a list of names and you can go, oh, and then it was great when I got actually Dr. Drew, who was a really big get for the podcast- 
he was recommended to me through Heather Dubrow. And when I was interviewing Heather, she mentioned something about how she'd been out for dinner with Dr. Drew. And I was like, I love Dr. Drew. I would love to interview him. Kind of hoping that she would go, I could set it up. But I didn't really think that she would. But then she actually went, oh, I'll hook that up for you. Because she, I mean, she liked how I interviewed her. I did a good job. So, it's just snowballed from there. But, you know, with the US celebrities as well, they do, depending on who they are, they do have like a lot of management and stuff to go through, especially if they're currently on a television show. So, if they've been like fired from a show or they haven't been on TV for a while, you can just get them directly. But if they're currently on a show, you will have like the PR from the network listening in sometimes. And uh, so, that can be tricky, especially with the kind of interviews that I like to do, because I like to go in, you know, dig deep. I don't want to do like a a boring 15 minute, like sanitized promo for your show. Like I want to talk about more than that. So yeah, that can be tricky. Yeah. It seems to be the best interviews or the spiciest interviews you're doing are the people who've just finished a season, weren't happy with the way they were edited and like to be able to reveal the truth, I guess, in an interview. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, the, so the guest that I have on the episode that I'm dropping tonight, Leah McSweeney, she's on The Real Housewives of New York, but she's had a huge career before that. She was a, a fashion designer and she's really um, she's really outspoken on a lot of political issues and she doesn't really fit into a box. And she's got a lot of shit for that because she wrote about politics and other things before she came on The Housewives. So then people dug up some of the stuff that she had written and and misrepresented it. So I just had her on my show. We did it without Bravo PR because I had become friendly with her. And we talked a little bit about, you know, the show and she gave me some tea on that. But then we just, we talked about uh, politics. We talked about COVID stuff. We talked about uh, conspiracy theories. So we talked about all these other topics. So it's fun to get someone on and then instead of just I don't want to just ask them the same questions that they're going to talk about anywhere else like I want to get into different stuff that people haven't heard and Leah was a perfect guest for me because it was sort of one foot in the pop culture reality tv world and then we had this other part where we could talk about politics and 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 other stuff in a you know our own way because she's very unfiltered like me so that was fun it was interesting hearing the way you've talked about people you know being inside a box before or or being sort of really pigeonholed in a certain direction and and maybe it's to do with the audience as well they only kind of want to hear people of a of a certain perspective and so i've found it really interesting hearing you know you talk about politics and really kind of tackling both sides of the argument and trying to sort of uncover a bit more and, and open people's minds to that way of thinking rather than just sort of just taking exactly what they're served yeah i always try to do that and again it's like i'll do it from a Sometimes it is from like a politically incorrect perspective and then sometimes it is just like you think this person's a villain but I like them. So it goes both ways but the American media it is really PC. Everyone there is like scared to have opinions on certain things because they don't want to get backlash and then I come in and I say the kind of things that the other podcasts aren't saying like uh, on the Housewives of New York for example they just added the first black housewife ever Ebony K Williams and it was really long overdue for them to do that because it was it's like season 13 or something they'd never had a black housewife. Obviously New York is a very diverse city so they should have had that diversity in sooner. 
But they've got this Ebony in and she's such a bad... Should have learned the lessons from friends. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, she's the worst fit for the show. She's awful on the show. Like, she's terrible. And then people are pretending that she's great on the show because they, they want the first black housewife on New York to work out. They want it to be a good thing. She's terrible on this show. Like, such a bad fit. And a lot of the uh, the other podcasts won't say it. And they obviously don't like her on the show. And they tiptoe around it. And I just come in and I go, hey, like, she sucks. She was wrong about this like she needs to go so (laughs) i just come through and try to like cut through the bullshit and it's funny because i get i get so many messages from people and they're like oh uh, you know i wanted to say this but i was too scared it's like i'm not even saying any things that are that controversial you know what i mean like really like not liking a housewife on a show this is hardly life and death stuff but people are so feel so stifled and they feel like they can't have opinions on even like very mundane superficial things like the real housewives (laughs) well i mean yeah we are very tied up in the sort of cancel culture and, and outrage culture really aren't we Oh yeah, big time. So I try to I try to push back against that a lot. And it's a fine line as well because you know, like I'm not trying to come on and be like Piers Morgan and just completely like oppose everything as, mm. you know, like a bit. Like it's not a gimmick. It's actually what my opinions are and you don't want to get pigeonholed into that box cuz I saying this to someone else I'm like I actually if I wanted to like I could come on and I could go like full MAGA and I could be like the right wing pop culture person <laughs> um, and you would make a lot of money from that because though that or like no one speaks to that audience specifically so if I wanted I could just put on an act and like get you know be cashing Trump checks like Red hat on. every week if I wanted to but I'm just like you know I don't know my politics are all over the place like they're not fitting in a specific camp so I just come in I be authentic you know I'm not trying to, to to play a certain role to get an audience. I'm just being me and then hope that people connect with that. Very interesting. Do you have a list of dream guests? Yes. Oh, there's, there's so many. There's some that I'm working on. Again, some stuff is like timing as well like i said like i have certain people that i want that i want on i think oh i don't know if my audience is ready for this yet or i'm gonna have to do a lot of research for this one to do it in a way that's going to appeal to my listeners but i have someone that i'm going to have on probably in a few months and she wrote a book about celebrity activism and celebrity charity and everything and it's just about how most of it's bullshit and a lot of it does more harm than good and it's really interesting so I'm excited to have her on. I think that that'll work for my audience too because there is a celebrity aspect to it as well. So, (laughs) you'll kind of see all of this like bullshit activism and then you also get it through a celebrity lens. Um, I have a true crime person on that I'm going to have on that has a really juicy story. You know, reaching for the stars, of course. If I would love to interview Pamela Anderson, I love her because she's such a pop culture icon and she's someone that's kind of lived her life in the way that she wants to live it the whole time. And now she's does all this, you know, she's like an activist and she speaks out for Julian Assange and everything. So I just love her whole journey. So I would love to interview her, you know, people like that are definitely dream guests because I feel like they just have a foot in each world. You can talk about this political stuff with them. And then you can also talk about all the pop culture and the amazing celebrity career they have. And what's it like on Baywatch and stuff. So those are the kind of guests that I want to be getting eventually down the line. And that's where I see the show going. But, you know, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, her story certainly took a bit of a surprise turn with that allegiance with Julian Assange. I certainly wasn't seeing that coming. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I don't know. I just think she's 
she's such a rock star, you know, <laughs> like she's always kind of just done her own thing, which is cool. So, yeah, people like that. Yeah, she had her own reality show, didn't she? And she obviously had one of the original sex, iconic sex tapes that was out yeah. there. And her sex tape actually, that was actually stolen. I think probably one of the only sex tapes that wasn't purposely leaked for, for you know, clout. So, so she, she wrote the book on how to release a sex tape, you know, un- unintentionally. Well, she didn't make any money from it, and that that was actually stolen from someone in their home and everything. And I actually don't, I actually don't understand how they released it. But I don't know if maybe back then they could do it without people signing off on it or something. But yeah, she's interesting. But there's a lot of people, and then there's there's weird like trashy reality people that haven't been on TV for like ten years that I'm fascinated by, and I think would be fun. So I just have all kinds of crazy guests in my head on my dream list. Do you have the networks kind of pitching you people quite a bit now that your audience has grown? Like Bravo, for instance? No, Bravo is actually, that's so funny. They are still really hesitant to podcasts in general. Like I know people in the States with huge podcasts and they're fighting to get interviews with people on on Bravo or when they do, they're getting offered like 15 minute, you know, spots and not like full in-depth interviews. I think feel like a lot of the media is still stuck in that old media mindset and they don't like I work in mainstream media and then I have like a podcast I'm telling you like you put someone on a podcast with a small but engaged audience you're going to get more out of that than having someone interviewed on like news.com.au or the Herald Sun or whatever you know what I mean like just the engagement is completely different and there's still a lot of PR people and networks that are in the old media mode and they think like no we want ink you know we don't want you on a podcast we want to get you mentioned in this newspaper or something but it's like no the podcast is where you're going to get the most engagement but they still don't get it yeah i know what you mean i mean they have the mentality of either that jimmy fallon seven minute interview or the movie junket thing we were got flown over to do uh will ferrell junket in la a couple years ago and they we, they flew us over and they gave us a double seven minute slot so we got 14 minutes had a great trip but, I mean, honestly, they flew us over for 14 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he, he could have called in on your podcast and done a like a 40-minute interview that would have had a bigger reach and more engagement. And, you know, it's, it's like, look at Joe Rogan. Like, how many fucking people listening to Joe Rogan? He's the biggest thing in media. And then compare it to how many people are watching, like, Jimmy Fallon. Like, and how many people are engaged with Jimmy Fallon? Because if you're going out of your way to listen to a three-hour Joe Rogan interview, you're engaged with the content. If you're watching Jimmy Fallon, you're watching it passively while you're doing the dishes and it's yeah, it's playing in the background, then you lift your head up because Jennifer Aniston said something funny for five seconds and then you go back to doing what you were doing. Like, it's completely different. And the fact that the media still don't get it is strange. But again, they can also control the narrative more when they put someone on a Jimmy Fallon because it's so scripted. You know exactly what you're going to ask, whereas you put someone on, you know, a Joe Rogan or a Mark Maron or whatever, the conversation could go anywhere. Could go anywhere. Anywhere it's not edited, and he'll try and get you high. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, that sort of Andrew Denton approach, I suppose. Like the actual, you know, giving them enough rope, and then they eventually hang themselves. It really, it really kind of works in this podcast game because I think you know the longer that people talk, the more they're their sort of uh, barriers come down, their walls come down and they expose a bit more about themselves as opposed to, you know, the five-minute spot with the same three stories you hear across every single interview that they do. 
I hate mainstream media, which is funny because I work in it, but I just think it's stupid. Like, I get all my news and stuff off podcasts. I mean, of course, like, I'll I'll read mainstream. If it's like a, I don't know, if the New York Times did like some in-depth like foreign policy thing or whatever, of course, I'm going to read that and they've had like boots on the ground and stuff. But I just mean in like general day to day. I am getting all my pop culture and news and stuff off, like, new media, like YouTube, podcasts, everything. I don't care what, you know, Jimmy Fallon's saying or anyone on TV. Like, the project. Like, I would rather die than watch the project. Shots are fired. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're, you know, in the, in the same boat as a lot of people. Yeah. Speaking for Australia. See, it's called unpopular, but I feel like I'm just saying what most people are thinking. It's not really unpopular. Love it. Love it. So, can you tell us a little bit about your process? So, okay, let's say you've landed the big interview, you've got the time lined up. Uh, how do you prepare? I do heaps of prep, a lot, and I hate lazy podcasters in general. Like, I hate bad audio. I hate when you can tell that people haven't done proper research. I hate when you can tell that they haven't edited. Like, it's so competitive. Everyone has a fucking podcast now. Like, if you're not actually going to go in and put the effort in, like, don't bother. Like, or just do it as a hobby, but don't think that you're going to be successful uh, putting out something lazy. So, I do... I do so much research. You know, I listen to other interviews that people have done um, to, to get notes and inspiration from that. I pretty much write out like an entire how I think the conversation will go from top to bottom. And it doesn't mean that we exactly follow that, but it's just that I always have that to go back to if I need to. And then, of course, you know, we'll go on tangents and stuff throughout the conversation. But, yeah, I do I do a lot of research in and there's certain guests that I haven't had on yet because I know that I haven't had the time to to do the proper research to do it justice. Like I mentioned earlier that I want to have this person on that's diving into celebrity activism and stuff, but it's like I need to read her whole book and make heaps of notes and stuff, and I haven't had time to do that yet. So, uh, yeah, the research is um, is like paramount. Have there been any guests who have really surprised you when you've had them on? You know, you've done all the research, but then they've thrown you some kind of left field answer that's that's caught you off guard yeah that it happens a lot you can always think you know how something's gonna go and then it goes a different way and if i don't follow up on that i blame myself because i you know you learn more as an interviewer so i'm like really critical on myself so i'll listen back and i'll think oh you know i could they sounded excited about that. I should have like followed that up more or pressed more on that instead of moving on to my next question. But that happens a lot, a lot of the time. And um, sometimes you think someone's going to want to talk about something in particular and then they don't. And then they're like totally interested in something else. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. You can never really fully predict it. And then what's the next step? So you get the interview in the can. Are you doing the editing? Are you sending it off to someone else? And how much are you doing? Uh, I edit everything myself. So, yeah, I spend my, my weekends are all on the podcast. Like, I, I barely do anything. You know, I got to go outside yesterday, which was nice because <laughs> I had I had a day off work during the week and that's when I recorded my interview with Leah. So, I basically took all of yesterday off to do my own thing and then today I'm, I'm recording and, and editing and everything and, you know, making notes. I've gotten more efficient at it now that I've been doing the podcast for longer, but it still takes a long time, you know, to, to do the whole thing. It's a long process. It's definitely not easy. Are you just editing the audio or are you doing the transcription type of edit as well? I just edit the audio. So, I use a program called Alitu, which is really easy. I've tried to use Adobe or whatever everyone audition. uses. Audition. Yeah, Audition. Yeah. It's just too hard for me. I'm not 
that tech savvy. I just need to use the easiest thing, especially because I'm kind of time poor. Like I don't have heaps of time to sit down and use a new thing. So I, you know, I use what I can, but it's expensive. Like I pay a fee for it. I pay a fee to have the the audio like mastered through, you know, um, Alitu masters that, but then I also use Squadcast. I think that has a mastering. Actually, and I pay extra on Buzzsprout, which I was using as a host when I started because they have a mastering thing. So yeah, I, I do everything myself, do all the show notes myself, all of the promo for social media. Cause of course, like it doesn't end just when you put the episode out, then you've got to promote it on social media and like cut audio clips that to promote and stuff like there's There's a lot to it and then sometimes actually I don't do this as much now although I probably should but when I first started every single week if I would interview someone that was a celebrity or on reality TV or whatever I would transcribe all of the best quotes and put them into a press release and then send them out to like bloggers and and media outlets hoping to get that picked up so it's like a lot of work it doesn't end sure is I'm always interested when we speak to people just to kind of see what they're like when when you actually talk to them because I think like what you hear on the podcast is is so often edited and and you know maybe they're reading off a script or or however they're kind of doing it or they're they might just be naturally kind of charismatic people. And listening to yours, I was just amazed at your ability just to like, you know, just to talk really. I mean, it's a, it's a talking medium, so that should be no surprise. But I was wondering like how heavily edited that is. But, you know, speaking with you for a few minutes now, I think you've clearly got the gift of the cab. Well, I, uh, I edit out a lot of the ums and the likes and stuff. And I actually do make a lot of notes before I record, but... Basically, what I do is, like, I'll make, like, heaps of... So, I've got the whole thing, and it takes a long time. That's actually the thing that takes me the longest, but it's, like, I'll make notes, but it's um, it's a stream of consciousness. So, it's, like, I kind of, like, through the week, I'll be thinking of the things that I want to talk about, and I'll make notes in my notes app or something of, like... So, I'll have a thought of, like, something that's, like, pissed me off. Like, I think last week, I had, like, a rant about the Olympics, because I was thinking, like, it's so fucking boring. Like, when is the Olympics ending? And I made a note of that, and then I sit down, I do, like, a stream of consciousness thing, and then I record but it's like i'll go off i'm not like reading everything off of a script but it you know if you start getting lost somewhere like you always can go back to it it's like a safety net mm. that it helps you and when i prepare like that it helps me to not do all the ums and likes every second word which is difficult you know and i even when i'm interviewing people like i noticed sometimes you're talking to someone and they say something and you'll be like mm-hmm, yeah yeah and you shouldn't do that because then the the audio overlaps like you would do that in real life but you can't do that on a podcast so i always listen back to and i'm like very critical of like how can i sound better you know because you want it to sound good for the audience again people put in effort like don't be fucking lazy with your podcast it drives me crazy couldn't agree more though those little ums and ahs are real sort of mm-hmm, uh-huh mm-hmm those yep. are most of the notes I get from Jules. Get rid of my little... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's my yeah critical notes on myself as well. What's your audience been like? I mean, tell us a bit about building that audience and, and growing it. They've been really, really good. I actually haven't... I thought I was going to get a lot of backlash just starting. I was like, oh my God, I'm, people are going to think that I'm this or that and everyone's going to like, you know, hate me. Like I was actually geared up for that. And it's totally been the opposite. And again, I think that because I've come out very authentic from like day one and let people know what I'm about. I've been able to build an audience of people that either understand who I am. So if they disagree with me, that's like fine. Cause they get where I'm coming from or they agree with me and they're like, finally someone's saying what I'm thinking. And I feel like my audience has been really engaged because my audience isn't huge compared to like other podcasts. Like I'm still growing. I'm still new, but I feel like my 
level of engagement for the amount of people that I have is like really high and they're always sending me messages. I have a lot of reviews on on iTunes, like more than because I I'm a psycho. I read everyone else's reviews. Like yeah. I go through charts, I go through reviews. Like I said, I like I'm an, just an overthinker with everything. I don't know if it's a Virgo thing, which by the way, I don't even believe in astrology. I just love blaming everything on being a Virgo, <laughs> even though I don't think it's real. But I have heaps of reviews on iTunes. It's amazing. And I notice there are other podcasts that are like way bigger than mine that don't even have the amount of like good reviews that I have. So Again, I just think it's all about authenticity. And I learned a lot from the blogging years. Like, I understood myself and I understood what my strengths were, what people would respond to. And ultimately, what I came up with was just, like, you know, like, be myself and be very authentic because people can sniff out bullshit and they don't like it. Like, if I came on and I was fake, I would get backlash then. But I'm not going to get backlash for saying something controversial, if that makes sense. Well, I was interested to see that you actually did a show around your first bad review. That was a great idea. Yeah, I um, I don't know why I did that. I was just like, I was waiting to get a bad review because I knew it was going to come and it took me longer to get the bad review than I thought. But I thought, you know what, this will be fun. This is a way for me to kind of like say who I am and where I'm coming from and people can kind of understand more about me. So, you know, it's content. You do have to think like that. You know, now that I'm doing a podcast, especially about personal stuff, I'm thinking about everything as content. So, something will piss me off in the moment and I'm like, fuck that. And then I'll be like, oh, I can talk about that on the podcast. And I'll make a note, you know. <laughs> it's great to get that interaction as well on being able to sort of snap back. Yeah, and you know what? That person, she actually sent me a really nice message afterwards because she was like, oh, my God, I was mortified when I heard you said that. I'm really sorry. I actually don't think that about you. I was having a really bad day when I left that review when I can delete it. And I wrote back and I'm like, no, don't delete it. I'm like, it's fine. Like, you can, you know, have your opinion. Like, you had some constructive criticism in there for sure that I took on board and it was really nice and yeah I think the review stayed up and I was like that's it's all good um and we yeah we got where each other were coming from and it was nice because again it's like just if you're just real with people like people connect with that like you don't have to agree on everything but people like people that are, are honest Couldn't agree more. So, tell us about some of the, what would you call it, like the services, some of the technology that's popped up to support podcasters and content creators over the past year or two. So, we've got Patreon and things like that, but you use Buy Me A Coffee? I use Buy Me A Coffee and Patreon. So... You know what, again, because it's like when I say I'm a contrarian, I was like, I'm not using Patreon. I'm going to use something different. I'm using Buy Me A Coffee. And I spent so long researching it. And Buy Me A Coffee, it's actually a really amazing platform. Like, I love it. But what I learned from it was that it wasn't so suited for podcasters in particular, which was interesting. Like, it has so many great features and their whole team is really good uh, because I follow them on social media and I've spoken to them before and I wanted to use that instead of Patreon, but I just feel like they're better suited for, uh, like, YouTubers and artists and people in other mediums. I feel like Patreon is probably the best for podcasters. I investigated all of them, though. So, I don't know if you guys know about Supercast, which is a new one that's... No. Yeah, that's a new one that's popped up, and that's good, and it's a lot simpler than Patreon, because 
Patreon actually has a lot of problems like under the hood and everything. It's, it can be a bit clunky to use from the creator's perspective. Supercast has like better features and everything. But what I figured out was that people are familiar with Patreon and they have a lot of brand loyalty. And while I wanted to go and do Supercast and, you know, be the special snowflake and not do the same one that everyone else is doing, uh, I just figured that I was going to get the most people on Patreon. So I went with Patreon. I got a lot of subscribers like, you know, much quicker than I expected to because especially in my genre of podcasting so in the pop culture so podcasts that are like pop culture reality tv politics uh they all have really big followings on patreon so all of that audience are already so familiar with patreon they probably already have a patreon account and already follow some uh creators on there so it's very easy for them to just add yours in whereas something different like a buy me a coffee or like a supercast if people aren't familiar with it they're not going to do it like even though it's one step like supercast for example is so easy literally they just click like one link and then it opens the rss feed in their like in their app and loads this special feed in but again as soon as people hear something that they don't understand they just think no i don't want to learn something new i don't want to go to a different website that i don't understand so you just have to go where the people are yeah it's, it's one more reason not to click right it's exactly like, oh should i do this oh i don't even know supercast is give it a miss yeah and you know what i have liked about patreon compared to the others is that people can send you messages and they can comment on your episodes and because I do have an engaged audience like people like to send me through messages and I have like an AMA section I'm like hey if you want my opinion on anything literally just leave a comment or message me and I'll talk about it on the next episode so I answer everyone's questions and it's a it's a good way to have a more kind of intimate one-on-one interaction with my subscribers so I really like that about it. Yeah, that's a really good setup. So, normally what we do next is ask you about podcasts that you're into, but I guess Jules and I would love to know your Mount Rushmore or your favorite reality TV shows. Okay, my favorite reality TV shows, I watch so many. Like, it's funny, I've actually just recently, I've started going back to watching a lot of scripted shows because I do so much reality on my podcast that it's given me, like, the hunger to go and watch scripted. So, I've started watching that show, The Americans. and uh, Great show. Yeah, it's so good. It's amazing. My favorite reality shows, I love The American Bachelor and Bachelorette, and they actually have it. They air it now in Australia on Nine Now, same day as the US, which is so convenient. And uh, I love that. I think they do such a great job. Obviously, all of the Housewives. So, I watch every single Housewives show. I pretty much pretty much watch almost everything on Bravo. I did the 90 Day Fiance thing for a while, which is really good. But they have, th- there's like 20 spinoffs. It's just too much to keep up with. And you applied uh, for that yourself? Yeah, I applied for 90 Day Fiance. And I applied for Maths and 90 Day Fiance and some other stuff. And I... That's when I was trying to... I was like, I need to get on a show and then do my podcast because I felt like it's so competitive. I'm like, I'm never going to get a podcast off the ground unless I have, like, some other platform. But now it's so funny. In retrospect, I'm so glad that I was able to launch it like this because if I had launched it off the back of, like, fucking doing Married at First Sight or something, it would have been like, oh, my God, there's that fucking loser from Married at First Sight with the podcast like everyone else. Whereas to come at it now and to come into it as, like from more of my journalism background and doing media and stuff, it's like I have more credibility. So it's worked out the best. But yeah, I think that the American Bachelor and um, the Housewives are probably my favourites. Is there a favourite Housewives? 
It changes, actually, uh, depending, because sometimes they have good seasons, sometimes they have bad seasons at the moment. I like The Housewives of Orange County, which is the one that everybody hates right now. It's like the least popular one. It's my favourite. Again, my Sticking with the trend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was interesting timing because they were airing, when I started my podcast, they were airing their season, which was considered like the worst season ever. And I loved it. And I was talking that season up all the time. So even if people don't agree with it, my take on that show was completely different to the thousand other Bravo podcasts that literally all said the exact same thing every single week. So that like brought people to me. So it it worked out well. But um, yeah, I like Orange County. Oh, and actually Potomac. That's really s- slept on. No one even knows what Potomac is. I think they did that on purpose. I think it's meant to be like a, a wink and a nudge of a joke of like, you don't know where this is, but that, that one is the best. It's so good. I have to look that one up. I haven't heard of it either. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, my hilarious. wife loves it. My it's wife a- loves it. Oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> and then how about podcasts that you're into, given that we are on a podcast podcast? Oh, my favorite podcast is actually Red Scare. That's the best. What's That's- that? <laughs> That's so good. It's these two girls. It's uh, cultural commentary. It's very politically incorrect and hilarious and I love it. Red Scare is definitely my favorite. You know, it's funny. I actually mostly listen to political podcasts i don't listen to that many pop culture podcasts because i think most of them suck and are boring and they kind of just all have the same opinion so i love red scare my one main favorite pop culture podcast is juicy scoop with heather mcdonald that i've listened to for years i love uh breaking points with crystal and saga that's a political podcast what else useful idiots with matt taibbi i love that i like twink revolution that's like a politically incorrect gay lefty podcast you know what i'm actually obsessed with you guys might know this it's called the west wing thing and they just they recap every single episode of the west wing but they just shit on it every episode about how bad it is oh i'm into that let's go yeah, yeah it's so good it's like a critical evaluation of the west wing from like a leftist perspective and they just make fun of it and i've never ever watched the West Wing before and I love this podcast it's so good so yeah West Wing thing and Red thank Scare. you I'll be checking that out <laughs> how about we like to sort of finish off by just asking if you've got a little bit of, of advice for podcasters out there you've already given us quite a few gems but anything any final thoughts you want to leave us with yeah I think I said it all but my thing is know who you are be authentic and think about something that other people aren't doing because I see so many people now starting podcasts and I think, why are you starting a podcast? Like, you don't have any point of difference whatsoever and you're entering, like, a space that's already really crowded, like the Bravo podcast, for example. Like, there's a new Housewives podcast every single week and they have the same opinion as every single other one. I'm thinking, well, why are you doing this? Like, come at it from a different angle, at least. Like, if you're going to get into this crowded area, like, think of a different perspective that you can have or a different take or something. So, I just think be unique and stand out because there are so many podcasts now. And it's not too late to launch a podcast because that's how I felt. You know, I felt like that for literally years and years. And then when I finally went through and did it, I'm like, hang on, it isn't too late. It's actually a great time. And it's a great time for anyone to launch a podcast. But please just do something different and have something to say and don't copy anybody else and go with yourself and you know what if you don't have a different take on things maybe you're not right for podcasts like not everyone is like maybe you should do an instagram page where you can put nice pictures up but we don't have to hear your opinion on anything (laughs) that's my advice i love it that's great advice awesome well thank you very much for coming on today with us and giving us your thoughts on podcasting and everything in the reality tv space it's been awesome thanks for having me on 
Absolute pleasure, mate. <laughs>